What is up, everyone? And welcome to yet another episode of Combos Court, episode 422 to be exact. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Appreciate you all, man. Combo Nation, today's show, Deuce and Mo of the Deuce and Mo podcast. Join in to talk Kings basketball. We discuss Kings offense, De'Aaron's leap, Keegan's development, and much, much more. Just a fantastic conversation with Deuce and Mo. Go subscribe to the Deuce and Mo podcast. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Deuce and Mo back in the building. I've been pulling the receipts from our uh, pod that I was on with you guys because, you know, I've been known to pull receipts and uh, there's been a lot of good stuff going on with the Kings. So far, so good. I mean, around here, you just knock on wood. You, you just yeah. knock on wood because 10 and 8 through, you know, 18 games, it's been some good stuff from Sacramento. Yeah, it's been, it's been, there's been a lot of positive things and that's why I think um it's fun to discuss, though, because there's some people who are still just so high on what the Sacramento Kings can do, which I love that. But at the same time, you got to remember the entire league. There's some really good teams. Well, let's stay optimistic. What do you feel about the offense that makes you believe that this is sustainable? I think they did the right thing by getting some shooting around Fox and Sabonis. I mean, if you're going to have those two skilled guys on your team, you better have some shooting around him. And I think with Herter, you have Malik Monk. You know, Keegan got off to a nice start. He's been in a funk for a minute. I think he'll be all right. He's had some shots the last few games that just rattled in and out. Just got to keep plugging away, but I think they've done a good job with that. And it helps when Fox is playing at the level he is, where his shooting numbers have gone up dramatically. His free throw percentage has gone up dramatically. He's been deadly in the mid-range. So when he's playing at that level with shooting, and we even mentioned Sabonis, like yeah. it's a pretty good offensive squad. But you got a whole t- team buying in as well, right? You have a whole team staying disciplined on that end of the floor. And I think, you know, you got to give so much credit to Mike Brown and the coaching staff, but also to these players buying in and being like, yeah, let's make that extra pass. Yeah, let's square up and see what else we can do. Don't be a ball stopper. Make make sure you're moving without the basketball. All those little fundamental things that sometimes I think even players at this level need to be reminded of, they're being reminded of because they're not going to play on the floor if they aren't doing these things. What I love about the way they're playing is it's so quick. They kind of took a page out of what the Warriors and the Spurs have done. And I think Mike Brown is doing a great job in that regard. Yeah, they want to get into their stuff fast. And, you know, people assume that just means, hey, a lot lot of fast break points. No, it's about getting in your half court stuff fast, quick decisions. He says five tenths of a second. Keep that ball moving around. Get a great shot. And I think they have some of the skilled players that can do it, too. Like we talk about the shooting. Like Kevin Herter has high basketball IQ. He knows how to read what's around him. Like he can play make Malik Monk. Although sometimes the shot selection is not the best. He's Mm -hmm. not afraid to get others involved. He plays with confidence and energy, some fun. He's got that uh, connection with Fox. And then Sabonis, who 
to me is just such an underrated player in so many ways, because even when he doesn't have the ball, he's directing guys. He's like a conductor. He's getting guys in the right spot, constantly sent good screens. So, I mean, so far, especially for such a new group, I feel like it's looked pretty good overall. But you even talk about how they push it out with that fast pace. It's even DeMontis Sabonis in the bust out, right? And he's really the one, like you just said, conducting the offense from the start. There's so much motion that goes off of him in this free motion offense that Mike Brown has implemented into these guys. So it's cool that guys are understanding that, Hey, it doesn't have to be so-and-so starting with the ball to get things going. It can be a lot of different guys because they're just high IQ guys, but then Sabonis, just a high level processor, especially uh, at that high post. I feel like you could use Sabonis in so many ways and they're doing a great job of that, of not only a hub at the top, but in the post as well. Right. Oh, absolutely, man. And and that's a good thing is when you know th- there's definitely some mismatches around a league where he wants to feast. Like it's like, mm. all right, you know what? I know this is not 1995, but right. look, if we can get it to the guy in the low post and he has an advantage, go make something happen. Yeah, he makes great basketball decisions. I mean, you guys mentioned Red Velvet, even though you didn't use the nickname Red Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way he's shooting the basketball, do you feel like he should sh- he should shoot more three pointers? Oh, that's a I mean, I want to say in a lot of ways, yes, but at the same time, I'm excited with the amount of people on this roster that are hitting their threes, right? So I'm okay with everyone getting theirs as well, because if it's only him, then who else is going to find their rhythm as well? But at the same time, yes, I trust him with the ball from beyond the arc the most. And it's weird we are recording this at a time where the Kings are in the midst of shooting 29% from Mm. three the last three games, so they've gone kind of cold right now. And I think what's going to be interesting is just seeing how they respond against some of the better teams. You know, playing Boston the other night, Boston switches a lot, and it got Sacramento their stuff. They were settling. You know, the Kings play a game uh, later tonight, recording this on a Monday. They take on the Suns team that switches a lot. So how Sacramento going to handle these different looks? There's some good early tests for them, but, I mean, it's a lot easier to deal with things like this when you've built up some wins, right? Like you're 10-8, and you won six in a row at home. It's, it's good vibes right now. I mean, you mentioned De'Aaron. I want to hear from you guys specifically what have you felt like he added to his game for him to take this leap. Obviously, the spacing is better because of guys like Malik and guys like Kevin, but what do you feel about his game that he added to it to just make him have that leap? You know, I, I think we could go to the easy route and say confidence, right? But mm-hmm. but I truly believe that confidence has helped his shot even fundamentally the way that he is just going through one motion when he's shooting from beyond the arc. But then even when he's taking it to the rack, he's not just expecting a foul. He's actually going through guys more. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take this contact and still try to finish out the rack instead of looking for that foul. So I would say confidence overall, but then truly understanding too how important to fill up up the other categories crashing the glass yeah. uh f- being a playmaker you know especially because he is such a threat on the offensive end he's figuring those things out i think the other thing too with him is i think he's got the ability to be a good defensive player in this league he showed that at kentucky in the nba not so much right it's been hit or miss depending on matchups he's been much more consistent defensively mm. Not always perfect, but you definitely see a different guy. He's doing much better with deflections. He's getting into guys. I think it's a credit. Like Mike Brown challenges him, dude. Like Mike Brown, if there's like a defensive coverage that gets messed up, he doesn't care if it's like five seconds into a game. He's calling a timeout and he's going to go at De'Aaron Fox a little bit. And Mike Brown's talked about this. 
the fact that he can go at Fox and Fox is accepting of it and wants it to be better, it allows him to coach all the other guys. So just the fact that Fox has been coachable, that he's been honest about what he needs to get better at has been encouraging through the start of the season. I'm sure that defense is leading to offense because he's such a fast player and the Kings are playing with ridiculous pace. Yeah, and their defense is still not great, but, Mm -hmm. you know... It's improved. When you're looking at this, especially (laughs) Mike Brown taking over, you're trying to... You need to see progress, right? They've been near the bottom every single year. It's trending better. Like, they're finding ways to... They're rebounding better. Defensive rebounding Mm -hmm. has been great this year. They were terrible in transition to start the season. They've really improved on that. So, you know, for them to to get where they want to go, which is be a playoff team, I think the offense is to be like a top five offense. And the defense probably needs to be, you know, bare minimum, like 20th in the league. And can they get to that 20 mark? We'll see. And, you know, I talked about the buy-in on the offensive end, but truly on the defensive end as well, it's like you don't have one individual that you're like, man, that's a top-notch defender in this league. It's more of their team defense that is helping them improve because guys are understanding Mike Brown's standard. And if you're not going to listen, if you're not going to make the right rotation and understand the geometry of the floor, then you're not going to play because those simple things, you got to start practicing on your own, whether it's film, whether it's understanding where you got to be in the key, outside the key, in help, wherever it is. But yeah, it's, it's cool seeing guys just again, buy in and all the effort is there as well. So they can get better. Yeah. And I think for them too, it's like, and they just string together more of those minutes yep. of good defense because you see glimpses. There was glimpses against Boston. There were some glimpses against Atlanta, against Memphis. We're like, okay, you, you see like the potential, but you know how it is. Like you want to be great at it. You, you have to do it consistently. It can't just be for a six minute stretch in the third quarter when you're playing desperate. That's really encouraging. Um, I hope the Kings do make the playoffs this season because if they do, then De'Aaron Fox is a guy that maybe won't hurt you as much as some of the other guards in the leagues, because we see in the regular season, it doesn't hurt you as bad as it does in the playoffs. And there is potential because of his tools. Oh, yeah. And I, I think for him, it's to to keep at this pace, man, because he is playing in such control. I felt like the Boston game, I keep going back to that. It was probably the Kings' worst game. It was. You know? It was the most disappointing. Yeah, and they got back in the game, and they fell apart, and it was... De'Aaron Fox had not played like that before, where it was just like, oh, I'm not going to really attack. I'm just going to do a step back three here, clank. And so you you don't want them to fall in these bad habits or anything like that. I think that's sometimes a concern. But yeah, he's been really good. Yeah, really, really good. I think he's playing at an all star level right now. And I mean, I think it's it's something that we've seen it like I'm sure you've seen it too, where you're like, there's something here, but he's never been able to just do it consistently and the Kings haven't won. And I always say that. I think, I think we all know this. Every guy is so different in the NBA, right? Especially Mm -hmm. at that level as a professional athlete. And I think some people are like, you got to figure it out on your own. Some people need someone to bring it out of them. And I think De'Aaron Fox was one of those guys that needed a leader to bring it out of him, needed a leader to set standards, uh, to, to have some sort of, you I mean, just discipline them, right? All these different things that Mike Brown does is only making De'Aaron Fox better, not only as a player on the floor, but as a leader as well. I think guys are trusting him on the squad to be like, okay, he's he's telling all of us to jump on his back. Let's follow him. Let him take the lead because we've seen what he can do in clutch moments. We mentioned the space. We mentioned the quick offense. Is there anything else that Mike Brown is doing this season that's really 
allowing them to have a different result. Man, I, I think it, it goes back to the summertime. And I know some of this stuff is so cliche, right? Like <laughs> every coach comes in and they're like, hey, we're going to change the culture. We're going to do this. <laughs> but, you know, he, once he got the job, man, he was he's meeting with all the guys, getting to know them. Um, he flew over to Europe not only to see Sabonis play. He went and saw Alex Len play. Alex Len was like, oh, I didn't realize he was going to come see me play. I think he's done a great job of building what more is just talking about kind of a foundation and the Kings really with the revolving doors, uh, mm-hmm. you know, revolving door with coaches since 2006, since Rick Adelman, they just haven't really found that guy. Like Malone had a really good stretch and for whatever reason, they decided to let him go. Jaeger got some decent results, but I don't know if he was a guy to get them to the next level in the last couple of years. There's been no structure, right? There's been real, no development. Mike Brown I always bring up this example. I feel like he's like a a good parent, right? Like a good parent is going to love you. He's going to nurture you, but parents are going to hold you accountable too. Like you start getting bad grades. Like we're going to, you're going to be disciplined for this. Like there has to be repercussions, right? So I think he fosters a really family environment and it goes not only from the players, but the coaching staff to people behind the scenes. And I think that's why the vibes do feel a a lot better. I know that's not specifically something that happens on the court, (laughs) but that off court stuff does matter. It matters. Yeah. He has incredible experience. I mean, he coached LeBron. He's from the warrior system now, which is almost like the Spurs warrior tree. I look at it like that. So it does seem like a perfect fit. You didn't mention Luke Wallet, who was from the warriors. Like, I guess it's a little bit different result now. (laughs) Yeah. He was only there a little bit. (laughs) But not only that, I just think sometimes too, people got super excited when, um, Steve Kerr obviously had everything going on with his health and Luke Walton had to step up and the Warriors were doing well and everything. And yeah. people saw that as like, whoa, this young coach and what he's capable of doing. I think he he knows basketball and can have relationships with guys, but I don't think he knows how to teach basketball yet. And I don't know if that's because he's a younger coach or if he will ever, you know, be a head coach again in this league, but either way, I understand why he's still around the NBA and why players have respected him, respected him over the times, but the Sacramento Kings needed pure leadership, needed an entire culture shift. And that's what they're getting with Mike Brown. Yeah. I think the difference was uh, Luke Walton, started coaching with the Warriors as a head coach when the system was already implemented. He had to start from scratch with the Kings and that's a way tougher job, right? Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) uh, yes, exactly. And then I also think like Mike Brown, it's, it's evolving. We talk so many, so much about players evolving their games, but dude, you mentioned the first Cavs run. He had the Lakers thing, went back to Cleveland and he was there for like a year. And then you're doing some soul searching, right? You're going, what am I going to do next? He talked about how like pop invited him to come hang out and then Kerr, you know, called pop and asked him about Mike Brown. And I, you know, I talked to people with the warriors and they said, when he first came in, he was pretty rigid, right? He had to kind of evolve. He was so structured. And I think that experience with the warriors allowed him to get to a point where, wait, you could still play at an elite level with mixing in some fun. Yeah. Yeah structure and having that blend and i think it did wonders for him for him as as his as a coach and his development okay so keegan murray uh you mentioned he's in somewhat of a slump and to me i'd love to hear your perspective on this because i think he's such a great all-around player like he does a little bit of everything so i'd like to hear from you guys what do you think his improvement areas are yeah, we, we've been talking about this a lot lately, especially with this slump, because we saw him play so well 
uh, in summer league and then preseason. And then obviously he was sick to start the season. He's had family um, with health problems and then now his back, you know, tweaked or whatever. So with him on the floor at first, it was like, okay, he's not being assertive and going to the basket trying to go through guys. He was just being soft, trying to like kiss it off the glass or have a little floater. And it was strange. It just seemed like he didn't have this intensity within his game. Outside shots just weren't falling. I couldn't tell if it was a fundamental thing, if it was the way it was coming off his fingertips or if it was just confidence. But yeah, I would say just really stepping up his physicality in this game right now. Yeah. And I mean, I think that happens sometimes with rookies, but you know, I was talking to Mike Brown about that at practice uh, yesterday and he goes, you know, I don't want you to just be trying to do some up and under on a big go dunk on yes. a guy. You are long. You're mm-hmm. six, eight or whatever. Go dunk on somebody. So I think he's trying to send a message like, Hey, you may not be able to get your shot to fall right now, but what you can control is when you drive to the basket, go get it. Um, I, I would say, He's done some nice things defensively at times, but I feel like during this stretch with his shot not falling, I feel like maybe he's overthinking things a bit here. And so it's about fighting through it. And we talk so much with young players about this. It's like some guys aren't used to going through a stretch where they go two for 23. Like when was the last time that has happened to Keegan Murray? It's about fighting through it, understanding the big picture. Do you trust your work? Um, it's also like, don't let so many people throwing stuff at you just go play your game i mean i think he's a really good player that's going through a funk and he just needs to see some shots drop i mean when it comes to the kings you guys are really in it you're watching every game closely when you watch or listen to other people talk about the kings what do you feel is under discussed about their success oh well let's see i i've been listening to a lot of national podcasts and i love when people get just as excited about the Kings and they're like, this community deserves it. These players deserve it. Um, But before the winning streak, when things were still not looking good, when they started the season, zero and four, you know, you had people like Bill Simmons talking trades for Russell Westbrook. And I'm like, wait, why does that, why would that make any, and it was for De'Aaron Fox and picks and whatever. And I'm like, why would that make any sense? And that's where I'm like, Whoa, you're not in it. But at the same time, I feel like for the most part, people are starting to understand more and more about like what the Kings can do as an entire team. Uh, Kevin Durant mentioned it the other day, especially when he started talking about every guy, even going down the bench, Terrence Davis had uh, a game of a lifetime against them. So, you know, really understanding that, whoa, their culture is changing. I think that's like one of the biggest things I've gotten from podcasts, but I I don't know like what they're actually missing. I feel like more people are starting to pay attention. I mean, the biggest thing is like, just watch games. Everybody watch games. I think so many times we want to have takes on teams and it's like, you don't watch them enough to have a take on it. You can't just dip in for a three minute stretch of the third quarter and be like, I know what's going on in Sacramento or anywhere for that matter. So, um, and I also know like, you know, it's like Sacramento, it's so easy to pile on because of what's happened the last 16 years. It's so bad. So it's like, if it goes bad for a second, it's like, Oh, same old Kangs. It's like, well, I mean, are you paying attention? Are is it really the same old Kings, or are they going through things? Are they adjusting to a new, new coaching staff? Like, what's what what is the big picture? And that's that's how I'm trying to look at it. And you know, just to compare it a little bit because I know like people have been piling on Ben Simmons for so long now, and then that's he- ridiculous. I have I, I have right. a, 
I have a big problem with that. And and that's why I made, I made like two Instagram Ben Simmons posts just to give him something positive for the yes. way they treat like this guy's a great basketball player. But go ahead. I don't it's want to go off on a tangent. No, no, because you're you're exactly right. And I just think when some people put certain things out when they're not watching him play and watching what he's doing lately, it's just an irresponsible narrative that is being right. put out there. And these people who are playing at the highest level one, don't deserve that. I get that they're going to get that. But when they get that from actual basketball people that cover the yeah. league, that's when I'm disgusted. Yeah. And I would also just say like you, someone like Ben Simmons, he didn't play basketball for a long time. You can't just expect him to come back and be ready to go. It's the same all NBA guy, all defensive guy you saw in the past. It's going to take time. And it's just, just like everything, man. I, I think nowadays we're so we're, we're in this social media age where people want to have instant takes yes it's it used to be like you'd watch a half and then have a discussion now it's watching the first three minutes of a game and having a breakdown and make some crazy bold take on the the first three minutes i'm like this is the nba it's a 48 minute game and nowadays 20 point leads are nothing all right you have to watch the whole game to get a good glimpse at wait what's exactly happening and build from there and even one game doesn't tell a story you know ben simmons a few weeks ago he was He's maybe yeah. struggling a little bit to adjust to, to playing again. What do you know? Getting his win back. Yeah. It, Perfect it, from it, the it, field it, one game. Yeah. There you yeah. go. So it's, yeah. that, that, that's kind of my frustration. It's not even a Sacramento thing. It's just a basketball discussion yeah. thing. It's like, just, just be better. Go back, watch the games. And it's okay not to know something. It's okay. Like, let's normalize <laughs> that. If you want to go back and watch, go ahead. But don't, don't come out with crazy hot takes all the time. Yeah, you mentioned the Bill Simmons, Russell Westbrook thing. And it's like, now that he's playing well also, it's like, we don't hear anything about Russell Westbrook now. Except if he gets his uh, head uh, popped open with the uh, bleeding. That's like the the first thing we heard it a little bit because he's playing better. He's off the bench. He's embracing that role. And and that's the thing. It's it's these narratives build on some of these players. And, you know, Westbrook, I'm not trying to act like he has been great. Um, right, right, right. Especially in his Lakers stint. And there's things I wish he would do better just from the standpoint of adjusting to a new role. But now it seems like, all right, he is buying in a little bit. All right, the Lakers starting to maybe put things together. I'm still not high on them at all. But people talk about Westbrook like he's just another guy, like he hasn't done anything in this league. And give respect to him. And also, you know, you can criticize for sure, but yes. man, people make it personal with some of these guys. And you know what? I'm I'm about humanizing them. You know, that all these players are humans that go through different things. We talk about so much on the court. There's things that happen off the court that we don't even know about, you know? And you know, Keegan Murray's a great example. His grandma on a road trip a few weeks back, she was at the game in Charlotte. She had a stroke at the game. At the game. Oh my God. Yeah. He didn't know about until after. But, you know, so then she's stuck in Charlotte, by the way, right? like this is there's some stuff going on. You know, he's a rookie who's trying to get adjusted to life as a rookie in the NBA. He's got a twin brother. He's away from this is a tight family that, you know, they, they've grown up in Iowa. It's not like he was some AAU guy traveling around the country, right. you know, it, so some people are going to handle adversity differently and tough times differently. And so I, I think we. When I say we, just everyone's yeah. basketball fans could do a better job acknowledging, you know, those things that go on with players. Because well, I even had a former player tell me at one point, they're like, he gets paid. He needs to figure it out. And it's like, 
<laughs> I'm so sorry that you are mentally damaged from what happened in your time in your career, but that's just not the game has evolved. And that's why I just think as fans, as people that have cover the game, we got to evolve our thinking as well. Now, when we're looking at the teams in California, where do you think these teams will add up, will rank up when this season is over? Because we have a pretty decent sample size right now. So give me one through four. I want to hear both of yours. Oh, man. <laughs> no, pull it up. I'm going to just say it. I'm, I'm just not – I'm out on the Clippers. I'm not putting them in last, mm. but I just don't trust it. You know, it's just – when is Kawhi playing on a consistent basis again? I, I feel like there's so much mystery surrounding that. They've been so banged up, but they'll be solid enough. I'm going to go – I'm still going Warriors 1. Damn. I am. Wow. Steph Curry is amazing. He sure. has been incredible this year. They've got some flaws for sure, especially on the bench. I think they'll figure it out. Clay's Look at you. Look at you telling who got flaws now. Tell him. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got Warriors. I'm going to go Warriors. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go King second Clippers, third Lakers last. So what? you, this, so this is how you think it'll end up at the end yes. of the regular season. Wait, yeah. You think Kings will be the second seed at the end of the regular in the season? Well, and amongst California, not amongst California teams. Oh my God. I was thinking Western oh. conference and I was like, where are we going with this? <laughs> my, my brain did not go to California teams. Okay. It's so early for Morgan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Woo. And can I just make, I know if the Clippers are healthy, it's a different conversation. Obviously, I just don't trust it. I think they're going to be solid because they're well coached. They've got the depth. They'll, they'll be fun, but I just, I'm not there. Okay. Okay. California teams. Uh, so I had the Clippers yeah. coming out of the West to start this, to start the season. And now that I'm like seeing more and more and just obviously seeing Kawhi Leonard, obviously not being healthy like he th we thought he was but at the same time i still believe in Ty Lue. we still saw what he did with just paul george at the late at the end of last year and everything i'm still gonna put the clip the clippers up there for me mm -hmm. i think they can figure at it out one? at one at one at one i'm gonna put the warriors too okay because i just can't count out steph curry do not put the lakers ahead of the kings you do not put them. i know what she, I, I think i know what she's doing here she doesn't want to bring too many expectations to this young kings team no i promise you i promise you it's it's not that <laughs> but i will i will put the kings third um and let's let's put the lakers fourth because i do see the lakers having obviously lebron james and anthony davis and i say it year after year it's hard to count them yes out. So, so Mo, I'll follow up with that. You see what? them playing better now. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think the Lakers could somehow surpass the Kings if LeBron and AD are in full effect? Uh, if they're healthy, which how putting that word with That's Anthony Davis, you can't just, say that. Right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> usually when you talk about other teams to go, oh, if they're healthy, like they're good to go. But when you talk about Anthony Davis in the same sentence as healthy, and I'm not trying to, you know, crap on him or anything it's just it's just facts like we've seen what he does and how he gets hurt even if it's a finger it doesn't matter so i am going to still put the lakers below and that's also goes to too i believe that the kings do have a better team a better system yeah. and i think it is going to keep growing as the lakers are just going to try and figure things out how to play mm -hmm. with lebron james it's uh, really that now i'm now i'm thinking about i'm gonna put the kings three oh Oh, uh, she convinced you. I know. Warriors, Clippers, Kings, Lakers. I still have Warriors one. Yeah. It's too, come on. Isn't it just too, 
it's not to, to say that the Kings can't do it. Cause yes. And it's not like, Oh, it would be a miracle if they did. I just believe that they're growing game by game and they're growing pretty fast to start this season, but teams are going to have film on them. Going to start figuring them out a little bit more, yeah. throw a few more things at them, whether it's a double, no, whether, fair, you know, fair. whatever it is in a pick and roll. I just realized what I said, I'm like, well, the Clippers were above 500 and that was all with all the stuff last year. I don't think the Kings, I, I, I would, they're going to be around a 500 team in my mind. So I'm going to put the Clippers ahead of them. Yeah. All right. Let's finish with this. I wanted to talk about the beam, but maybe we'll talk about that another day. Right. Oh, <laughs> Okay, so I like shining a light on the most underrated. So I'll ask you each a different underrated question, and I'll even give my most underrated basketball player of all time. I go with Jason Kidd, even though I don't like he's I don't like that he's not playing Christian Wood enough. I think he should be playing Christian Wood more. But that's another topic. So, Deuce, who is the most underrated wrestler of all time? And Mo, who is the most underrated king of all time? Oh, uh, these are great questions. Okay, I can go with mine. Yeah. And people are probably going to say, that's not underrated. I'm just going to say, yeah. in a lot of ways, I think Peja Storakovich, just mm. as a shooter in the league, I agree did that. not. Yeah, I, I I think, like, we always talk about Reggie Miller, which, which for good reason, right? Like, there's some fantastic, iconic, legendary players that we talk about. But I think Peja, just as a pure shooter, was not talked about enough uh, everywhere. Imagine him playing in today's game. Too. Oh, man, perfect. Oh. Uh, underrated wrestler. I'm going to go with the late uh, Owen Hart, the King of Hearts, Owen Hart. I, I mean, just saw the documentary recently on Vice. So sad. I, I have not watched it yet, but so um, sad. he was such an incredible talent. His feud with his brother, Brett, was so good. And as a kid, I hated him. He made me feel right. And then as an in-ring technician, amazing. Yes. It was yes. so underrated to me. And it's just a shame that his life ended that way. Do you feel he was underrated because Brett was so great? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. And I feel like, I got to be honest, I don't think they, they elevated Owen enough. You know, I, I think yeah, that okay. was cool. But I mean, think about the end. He's being the blue blazer. He's in the nation of domination at one point. Just a lot of weirdness where this guy, like, he had that look. He had that face. You're like, oh, I just don't like him, man. Yeah. He comes across so conceited. And, oh, you know, and, but in the ring, he was so good. I mean, Bret Hart, obviously, is amazing, too. Uh, but I think Owen is criminally underrated. And he was underutilized in many ways, especially late in his career. Yeah, I think the wrestler I would have is most underrated isn't as good of a wrestler as Owen Hart. But I think he's the most underrated Mr. Perfect. Oh, wow. Nobody talks about him. Yeah, I, he was great. I you have a Mr. Perfect shirt. I have a Mr. Okay, Perfect shirt, okay. but I uh, also... Shining uh, lights of the underrated. I love it. When I was like five years old, he there was like some WWF house show, and he was on the concourse signing autographs, and I'll never forget it because I met him, and he shook my hand, and he squeezed my hand. So <laughs> As a little five-year-old, it's forever. I'll never forget it because it's like, man, he like... That you know, you know what that makes me think shit. about? That he like... He was he was on his uh K Fabe stuff. He wanted to let you know this is real what we do. I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. man, really are. <laughs> That's how you do it. It's a perfect handshake. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. You guys are always welcome back on the show. You are a dynamic duo. Um, I love everything you guys do with the Kings. Thanks so much for taking the time. Where can we find you? That's really important. Where can we find uh, you? YouTube.com, search Deuce and Mo. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, 
you may see us on NBC Sports, California. If you watch Kings games, if you, I don't even know if they showed on League Pass. Uh, we're everywhere. Just uh, find us on Twitter too, at Deuce Mason, at Momo Reagan. They're everywhere. Thanks so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back and talk soon. Sounds good. Of course. There it was. Another episode of Combos Court in the books. Big shouts to Deuce and Mo for joining in. And big thanks to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Appreciate you all more than you know. Share this episode, share it on Twitter, and tag me on there at Combos Court, same name as the podcast. Take a screenshot of the episode, share it on your IG stories, and tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. If you would like to receive bonus Combos Court content, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Be on the lookout for episode 424 Combo out.